Good morning on this Wednesday morning. Welcome to our devotional Golden Nuggets. Food for thought and for the imagination. If you joined us yesterday, we were talking in the book of Isaiah about waiting upon the Lord. And as we looked at the scripture, it says in Isaiah 40, verse 29, 30, and 31, He giveth power. We mentioned the word power, might, and strength. He giveth power to the faint, to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with eagle with wings as eagles. They shall run. They shall not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. And we had made mention that the word wait there literally means to bind together by twisting or perhaps twisting. Uh, it, 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 it means like taking a strand or two strands or three strands or more of rope and twisting them together. And, of course, by doing so, then they are strengthened and made stronger. And if uh, we can look at it clearer, it says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. We are renewed day by day in the inward man. As we feed upon the Word of God, as we depend and are led by the Holy Spirit, as we trust God in our everyday situations, then we are bound to him. In other words, it's like the, the, the strands of the cord. We are tied. And the more our relationship is intimate with the Lord, the closer, the more knit together it is, the more that binding is strengthening in our lives. And of course, we truly are strengthened by the Lord, whether it's in our inward man, whether it's in our soul, why art thou cast down, O my soul? You know, basically, uh, many times we are discouraged or disappointed. But yet, in the midst of even that, the psalmist said, I will yet wait upon the Lord. Why? He had learned that waiting upon God was his source of strength. Now, the book of Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. But see, it's being in the presence of the Lord that there is joy to find that strength also. According to Psalm 16, he says, At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. But also there is life. And that is the gift. That is the expression that is the extension of himself that life flows out of him and he that has the son has life he that doesn't have the son does not have life so there is a special reward a special blessing for those that truly learn to wait on God not wasting time and letting time pass by but taking advantage of the time and inverting it and investing it in the Lord during the time that we wait. Between the time that we get in trouble and pray and the time that the answer comes, there is that period of waiting, whether it's seconds, minutes, hours, days, uh, weeks or months or years. There is that extended period of time. And it is what we do during that time with our time with the Lord that will make a difference in our lives. 
Now, I want to uh, open up this thought of waiting, that it is a twofold process. The Lord is waiting for us just as much as we are waiting for him. In the story of the prodigal son, uh, in Luke chapter 15, verse 20, it talks about when the son that had left the house and uh, basically wasted all his inheritance comes home. The Bible says in Luke fifteen twenty, and he, speaking of the father, and came to his, uh, uh, I'm excuse me, the prodigal son coming home, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. How could he be seeing him unless he was waiting and looking for him? He was looking forward to the time that his son would return back home. He was looking forward to the time when the relationship could be restored. He was looking forward to the time where he could truly be able to bless his son and his son not have to worry about anything. The father knew what was going to happen if the son went. He was a little immature, taking everything. And basically, the father was waiting. But during the time from the uh, moment that the son left the house and he wandered and spent and lived a riotous life to the time that he came home, the heavenly father has been waiting. And I'll say the father of the prodigal son has been waiting. You know, when you stop and think about Jesus returning and coming back, Jesus himself said, not even the father know, I'm excuse me, not even I know the day nor the hour. Only the father knows these things. Now, as we stop and think about that, we have in the story of Genesis, we have the uh, the story of, of uh the servant bringing the bride or Rebecca to Isaac. And in that story, we find that Isaac himself is also waiting. It says in Genesis twenty four sixty three, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the evening. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw and behold, the camels were coming. This is where the servant was bringing Rebekah. Now many have uh, taken the story and paralleled it to the work of uh, the Heavenly Father sending the Holy Spirit to search out a bride, a Gentile bride, uh, for his son Isaac. But in the meantime, we have Isaac out in the field meditating. Is it possible that he was waiting for the bride to come? for the Holy Spirit to have the bride ready? If that is so, then that means the Son anxiously awaits to come for us, to take us to the Father's house where many mansions have been built for us, a place that has been prepared. If that is so, the Father is also waiting for the return of His, of his people or His sons and daughters that had gone astray, the Holy Spirit doing a work in their lives, and of course, He waiting and keeping watch. Now, we see in the scripture, in the, in the prayer of Jesus, as He prays, 
He prays that they all be one. It's interesting because that talks about a unity, an intimate fellowship of oneness. In the New Testament, we find in the scripture that Jesus says, Come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, all you that are burdened, all you that are having uh, all these difficulties of problems and turmoils and things in life. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And it doesn't take much to overwhelm us or, or, or for the weight of, of the world or even the weight of sin to easily beset us. It says, and Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take of my yoke, bind yourself to me, upon you, and learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Now, the scripture, when it's talking about uh, he wants to give us rest, there is the word that is used uh, for rest. He wants to refresh us. He he wants to refresh our lives. We need the times of refreshing from the Lord in our lives, as it says in the book of uh, Acts in chapter 319. But in Matthew, it continues, it says in 1130, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. In Ecclesiastic chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, it says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone. Uh, and when he falleth, he does not have anyone to help him up. It says in verse number 11, Again, if two of you lie together, they shall have heat. But how can one be warm alone? Verse number 12, And if one prevail uh, against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. There's the idea of the cord again, where you take each individual strand and you twist it with the others. Uh, it could be, if we were to put it in this uh, way, it could be uh, twisting ourselves to the strand of the Holy Spirit, twisting ourselves to the strand of the Heavenly Father, twisting ourselves to the strand of Jesus, therefore making a threefold, fourfold, fivefold, tenfold cord that is not easily broken. In the book of Ephesians, in chapter number four, in verse three, we're given uh, an admonishment. It says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The word there for bond that is used is the word that means uh, uniting, a uniting principle, a control, uh, a ligament, uh, a, a joint uh, tie, something that is tied together. Well, we find this word or we find this exact uh, uh, thought again coming up in the book of uh, Ephesians in chapter 4 in verse 16 as the apostle, the apostle Paul continues to, to explain it says from whom the whole body 
fitly joined together. The word there, fitly joined together, is related to the word unity. Uh, it's a compound word, and it, 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 it literally means to join together. To join together. That is to organize compactly, fitly framed together. And of course, Jesus talked about where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now, in the book of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 14, it says, The body is not one member, but many. Those members must be literally one. They must be bound by the spirit of unity and love. It says in John chapter 17, verse number 21, it says, But they, that they may all be one. This was Jesus' priestly prayer. Uh, as he prayed and uh, was asking the heavenly Father that all that they all may be one, Jesus was one united to the Father. Jesus said that he and the Father were one, and as thou Father art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me now. We also have in Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 20, not only does Jesus make the invitation to come and take of his yoke, let's be bound to him, but he also comes and he says, come and learn of me. Now, in Ephesians 4.20, it says, but you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So we are taught by the master teacher. Jesus is the teacher. He is the master. And he has sent the Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, to teach us. He continues to teach us through the person of the Holy Spirit here on this earth. And some of the things that he comes to teach us are how to walk this life of unity with him in a waiting upon him in oneness. It says in Ephesians 4.22 that you put off concerning the former uh, behavior, or it says former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to its deceitful lust. Verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, this is going to take us till tomorrow, since I see we've already run out of time. This is going to take us to the book of Psalms, the different ways that one waits upon the Lord. How our soul waits for him, how we wait upon his word, how waiting upon his hope. Uh, all of these things help renew in our thinking, renew in our inner man, renew in our life. Truly the hope that there is in God, the hope that there is in his word. And for that, I'll just uh, leave off with Psalm 130, verse number 5. It says, I will wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word do I hope. Consider this food for thought and for the imagination today. And I hope you find some time to wait. Truly wait upon the Lord and renew your strength. In Jesus' name, amen.